welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Well, good morning again and welcome. My name is Father Ryan Betway, and I'm a pastor here with Corpus Christi Anglican Church. Delighted to be here with you today as we worship together uh, in this season of Lent. Will you pray with me as we go to learn together from God's Word? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, bless the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Lord, may they may be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen. I had a friend come over yesterday to visit. Um, my wife and I just bought our our first house less than a year ago, and we're now having our first child. So there's a lot of new happenings, and what comes with that is lots of visitors uh, dropping off baby clothes and other sorts of um, random things that I don't quite know how to use yet, but I'm sure I will learn in the process of the next several months and years. Um, and I'm really excited for the opportunity, but it's also uh, a good chance to see people that I haven't seen in a while as well. So the friend who came by yesterday was uh, uh, a friend of mine who um, is I, I've known for about a decade. We went to church together, and um, we yeah we're just uh, uh, we were in a small group together and, and had the chance to see each other grow up. Um, we were at each other's weddings and. Uh, things like that. So um, it's kind of fun to see each other uh, through each each season of life that we enter into. And um, one of the things he was talking about as he came over, we were giving him the grand tour of our of our humble home. And um, one of the um, things that he was talking about was that he had just done some renovations on his house, but they weren't what he was hoping for. He spent seventy five hundred dollars on a pipe on the front yard. And it was, um, to spare you the details, it was a plumbing issue that caused a lot of issues for their house. And he said, you know, it was like they were planning to use this money for some really interesting projects and uh, to make things really fancy. But it, um, what happened to the pipe is that essentially a, a tree nearby uh, grows its roots down deep and wide. and doesn't really care if your pipe is in the way. And so what happened was the pipe, uh, the, the, uh, the contractor came, took a picture of it uh, underground, and it was just, it was essentially full of this root and had just grown straight in. And it was like essentially almost entirely clogged, this, this pipe. And uh, I was hearing the story, and I was like both devastated and fascinated. I was like, what? How, do you, how have you been... How have you been using your water and flushing your toilets and all of the things you do with your pipes? And he said, well, not very well. That's why we changed the pipe. This is, uh, this is a, an opportunity in this season of Lent for us to, uh, to, to either cleanse or to, to change our, our spiritual pipes, if you will, to 
to commune with God and to open up the way of, uh, to open up God's spirit to flow into our lives and to, uh, to freshen us in a new way. And, and we see that in our gospel passage, which we'll be looking at today, um, that Jesus is calling uh, us to live in such a manner as he lives his life, that communion that he enjoyed, that free-flowing communion that never clogged, that never seemed to stunt, and, and never, ever found rest. In fact, he, uh, he himself in this passage uh, speaks of, of, of himself and this role of prophet and being the one to come and declare uh, his his way as the way, as the way uh, to live in communion with God. So we'll be in that passage today, Luke 13. And we'll notice two things about Jesus that he does uh, with, uh, with uh, considerable um, focus. Uh, his focus in this passage is, uh, is profound. His tone is direct. Uh, so he does two things in particular with considerable focus. Uh, And the first is that Jesus knew the will of his father. He was so focused on knowing and following the will of his father. So Jesus constantly strove to find times and places to commune with God throughout his life and throughout his ministry, reinforcing his confidence and deepening his understanding of his calling and, and calling on God, just as we learned last week in this passage where he pulled away for 40 days, as uh, Father Morgan uh, talked to us about, pulled away for 40 days following the Spirit to fast and to pray and to discern God's will. Jesus' discipleship focused on the will of the Father. He did exactly what his Father in heaven commanded him to do. You'll notice in this passage, in particular, how the Pharisees, they attempt to dissuade Jesus from his progress. He's going to Jerusalem. This is this phrase that Luke is using very intentionally. He's talking about his progress toward Jerusalem. And the Pharisees, in verse 31, it says, On that very day, some of the Pharisees came saying to him, Get out! And depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Well, well, that was kind of them to help him to, to notice that. And, um, and yet what, what we're noticing, it was anything but kind. Their, their, their outward appearance is, uh, is actually the opposite. They have very different intent than kindness and care for Jesus. You'll notice that how they, uh, they attempt to dissuade him from that. They come to him. And they give him this command, this imperative. They say, go, get out, go away. Herod's looking to kill you. This command, of course, does little. It does little, if anything, to dissuade Jesus from his path. He, notice he responds with a command of his own. He says, go, go tell that fox. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Jesus is sly. His rhetoric mocks 
the Pharisees who believe their scare tactics would, could, could persuade Jesus or dissuade him from his course. And he also mocks Herod in the same moment whose authority to take Jesus's life as a king of Galilee, that authority blushes with envy at God's own authority and reign over his kingdom, the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus knows the will of the Father. He knows the kingdom of God has come and he knows that it must continue in him and that he must finish his course and that it is the will of the Father, not just that he be obedient, that Jesus be obedient to that will in taking the cross, but also to carry out each and every step of his life in obedience, in following his leadership all the way through. That is the will of the Father, and that is how Jesus led his life. And we see him saying, I will do that today. I will do that tomorrow and on the third day, which is what he's communicating that third day, being that day when he finishes his course, when he goes to the cross. And yet his following the will of his father, the communion he has with him is throughout the course of his life. He would not deviate one bit from whatever the father had. And he knows it must continue on to finish its course at the cross of Calvary's hill. Secondly, we see that Jesus, he also knew the role that he played in the course of Israel's history and and truly in the history of all mankind. The reason he was here on earth in the first place. While the Pharisees, they try to attempt Jesus, they try to tempt him with Herod's threats, tempt him to go away. While Herod certainly had power and dominion and rule over his kingdom, what Jesus knew intimately was God's rule over the kingdom of God would make any other king truly envious. Jesus identifies then with that calling, with that role that he plays as the prophet and that office that he holds as he describes these signs and wonders and healings that he carries out. He's demonstrated them routinely throughout his whole ministry. This ministry that comes in power. This ministry that comes in love. One purpose for these miraculous deeds was to clarify this role, that Jesus' role was prophet, as such signs often accompanied the role of the prophet in Israel's history. Jesus continues to press toward Jerusalem despite the Pharisees' warning because he knows that he is that prophet of Jerusalem. The prophet's role had always been to remind the people of God's covenant love for them to rebuke them for their ignorance and their disobedience. 
of ignoring the covenant of God and of ignoring his covenant love that he had given and placed with them. Indeed, in that passage we read today from Genesis 15, where he gives that covenant to Abram and sees it all the way through. And to persuade them, that prophet's role is to persuade them to pursue a life of faithfulness to God and to his love instead of forsaking it. As this passage notes, Israel had a reputation for ignoring or ostracizing God's messengers, their prophets, and in many cases even driving them out, stoning them to death or killing them. Only in hindsight did the people recognize that a prophet's message was one, in fact, from God himself. And indeed, we know that Jesus was no exception. He came calling these people to task, calling them to listen, calling them to listen to the voice of the true king and lamenting over Jerusalem's unfaithfulness, Jerusalem's ignorance over the people's hardened hearts, the eyes that would not see and the ears that would not hear. In light of Jesus' obedience, in light of his his following God and pursuing him with all of his heart, all of his mind and soul and strength, in light of this, what do we do with our own call to slow discipleship in a season of Lent, but in particular in a society prone to instant transformation? as opposed to the slow path of discipleship Jesus calls us to. Well, we are to come to Jesus with our hearts motivated by God's love towards us in Christ. We come with contrite and confident hearts instead of those that do not know the love of God in Christ. Notice at the beginning of this passage, notice what it says about the Pharisees, that they came to Jesus. They drew near to Jesus. Yes, they come. They come to him in earnest as he preaches as the prophet of Israel. They came to him and they even feign care for him. They act as though they're looking out for his best interest and perhaps some last ditch effort to trick him into believing that they are for him and not against him. However, fear for their position or their power motivates them to come to Jesus more than seeking his safety or his care. The Pharisees' concern, it centers on themselves. It has nothing to do with him and it has nothing to do with the will of the Father or the good of the kingdom of God. The Pharisees' concerns are very different than Jesus' concerns and very different than our concerns are meant to be. Jesus' concerns center on the love of the Father who sent him. While he scorns the shame of the cross that he so confidently 
pursues because it is the will of the Father. That cross that he's bound to bear, still he proceeds down the Jerusalem road for the joy of delighting in the love of the Father. The Father's love motivates us too to come near to God, to come, to draw near, to press fully into the long suffering that's promised to, to those who bear the name of a disciple of Jesus. We may often hear of our walk with Jesus, not fully understanding that that walk with Jesus means a walk down the road to Jerusalem with him. Embracing what sufferings we face for his name's sake while delighting in doing the will of the Father and delighting in his beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and feeding on him fully and completely and resting in his loving care. For he's the one who calls us to come to him, weak. And heavy burdened and offers us the consolation of his care, regardless of our temporal circumstances. Whether we come to him in shame or we come to him in sin, with sorrows or with great joys, along the road to Jerusalem we walk. And along whichever road, This mixing bowl we live in seems to spit us out onto. So we know that we walk that road to know the fullness of his love towards us in Christ. So I bid you come as such today and receive his nurturing care. The godly love as the gathered of God, the beloved children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings so our God gathers those who come to him in love let us pray Father we praise you for your love and we thank you for your goodness may we worship you today Father Son and Holy Spirit Amen